is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Hello, my name is Steve Wright. Today I'm with Family Church Lead Pastor Jimmy Scroggins for the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. Our topic today is Your Church's Name is Killing You, Change It. Jimmy, a few years ago, Dirks Bentley had a chart topping song called What Was I Thinking? And you may remember that song. I mean, it was. I love that song. It was awesome. And so I'm sure there were a lot of people in your church and family church that were thinking, man, here's a young guy. What in the world was he thinking? Well, people ask me that all the time. Like, like, why did you do that? What, what were you thinking? What motivated you? Have you but, lost your mind? Yeah, yeah. People did. <laughs> people ask me that a lot. Anyways, but uh, when I came to pastor this church in 2008, this was the first Baptist church of West Palm Beach. It's a legacy Southern Baptist church. Steeples in column. Looks like a wedding cake on the inside. Very, very traditional, and very proud of its legacy. It's founded in 1901. Hundred and you know however many years old, and it's right there on the intercoastal waterway. We have a very prestigious address, a very prominent facade right there on what's called Flagler Drive in South Florida. And even when our local newspaper, the Palm Beach Post, refers to our church, they always call us the Venerable Church on the Water. So I didn't even know what Venerable meant. I had to look it up. Right, right. But anyway, our church had had a history. So when we made the decision to change from the First Baptist Church of West Palm Beach to family church, it definitely was a big shift. Well, anytime you've got a church and the name of the church has been one for over a hundred years, I mean, and you get ready to change that. I mean, that that's a big deal in the life of that church. And so this was, you know, obviously a crazy idea. It was a bad idea to some people. And so Jimmy, where, where did this idea actually originate? Well, the number one, the number one issue for us is not trying to maintain a name. The number one issue for us is how to position our church to reach the most people that we can. How do we position our church not to build up the pride or prestige of people who already attend, but how do we posture our church and our community to make it more appealing so that we can get the name of Jesus in front of more people? And so uh, when we begin to think about that and we begin to discover that, that the name Baptist really does have some high negatives, particularly with people who are not in church, the people who are most proud of the name Baptist typically already attend a Baptist church. They're the ones who like it the most. The people who are not attending church, unchurched and irreligious people in our community, if you ask them, hey, if you were going to go to a church, where would you go? Almost none of them would say, oh, I don't know, probably a Baptist church. They would say a non-denominational church or something like that. And so really it was motivated by our desire to do better with evangelism. Well, Jimmy, you're one of the guys who've actually changed the name of a church and survived it, right? So, you know, there's a lot of people that do contact us and write to us, email us. And, you know, it's important for them to understand that if they're willing, if they're wanting to do something like this, that they're actually going to be giving something up. So what, what do you feel like we were giving up when we had our name change here? Well, you always give up something. I mean, you have a legacy church. So the newspaper knows who you are. The mayor knows who you are. All the businesses know who you are. People who live in the community know where this church is. Again, very visible, prominent address, been here a long time. So you do give up some of that legacy. In fact, 
sometimes when I try to explain to people like, where are you the pastor? Oh, it's family church. And they kind of look at me weird and I go, oh, it used to be called First Baptist Church. Oh, yeah. So people do identify. So, so you do give some of that up. But look, here's the, here's the issue. We think that the word Baptist is a barrier. We also became a multi-site church in 2010. So 2010, when we went multi-site, we couldn't have First Baptist Church of West Palm Beach in Jupiter. That made no sense. There was already a First Baptist Church of Jupiter, and the name just didn't travel. First Baptist Church West Palm didn't travel. So when we went multi-site, we had to find a name that traveled, and that's where we came up with the name Family Church. And then when we had a site out west of town, and then we had a site that speaks Spanish, and then we have a site up in Jupiter Farms and Palm Beach Gardens, it really made more sense to have a name other than First Baptist Church West Palm. And the other thing is we came up with the name Family Church because we already had thought about what are we postured to do in our community? What, who are we postured to help? Who are we postured to reach? And our, our mission statement says that at Family Church, we're here to build families by helping them discover and pursue God's design. So the name Family Church really, really fit us. And that's why we went with that name. Well, people who speak all over the country, Jimmy, talk about leaders have a certain amount of change in their pocket, right? And so you actually decided that you were, this was a big enough issue for you that you were going to go ahead and, you know, cash in some of your chips. So I remember when I first got here, it was really when this whole name change thing was beginning to heat up. And, you know, so you'd like to think you could just kind of roll this out. Everybody would applaud. There'd be a unanimous decision, and then we're off to the races. But that actually isn't what happened in our situation. And so I just want to know, were there, like, street protests? Were there, you know, people marching out in the street? I mean, what what was the—give our listeners kind of an idea of what was going on. Well, we made a lot of changes in the first few years that I was here. We made some very significant changes. You know, changing the way we celebrated Christmas. We used to have a singing Christmas tree. We've talked about that. Changing, we, we sold a legacy piece of property called the Chapel by the Lake. That was a big deal for us. Changing the name. So all of these changes, when people were protesting, I don't think people were protesting any one thing. I think they were protesting just that the world is changing. And honestly, I think our church became a symbol for some people of changes that were going on in the world. Everything hmm. from Barack Obama becoming the president to uh, gay marriage being legal to all kinds, you know, more racial integration just in society. And I think church was just kind of one more thing in some people's minds that, my gosh, even this is changing. So somebody keeps moving my cheese. So there were definitely protests. People called the newspaper. They had business meetings. They had meetings with me. They hired attorneys and all, <laughs> kind, all kinds of things happened. So it did. Definitely, you weren't leave. winning any popularity, competi- you know, competitions no, at this point. No. And, and it, again, the name to, to be to be totally honest with you in our case the name change was the easiest change that we made and and the reason for that is again we started by going multi-site we started family church in a community called Abacoa north of West Palm Beach well the people who attend the First Baptist Church of West Palm Beach could really care less if you call some church in Abacoa family church mm-hmm. and so nobody objected to that well after we went to three and four sites it became kind of unwieldy because you had the First Baptist Church and family church. Well, how do you put that on a website? How do you put that on a sign? How do you put that on a business card? And it became unwieldy, became difficult. And even people who were diehard First Baptist people kind of recognized that because it was hard for them to explain to. And so this multi-site really did give us an opportunity to have a much easier conversation. 
All right. Well, Jimmy, there's a lot of churches around the country that are actually, you know, considering changing their name. Some of them are trying to change it because they really think that it would actually help them on their mission. Some have heard maybe of the trend and there might they might be thinking maybe this is what we need to give us a shot in the arm. How, how would someone, how would a pastor, maybe they're out there, they're going through this, how would they actually assess if this is something that would actually benefit them or not? Well, I can tell you right now, if you're going to lose your job over changing the name, I would not do it. I mean, to me, it's just not a hill to die on. I, I think the name First Baptist Church, you can make it appealing. You can reach out to people. You've been there a long time. There's, there's no reason to change it just to fit in with the trend. And if you don't have enough change in your pocket politically in your church, or you just don't have enough mojo to to do that without causing major division in your church, I would not divide my church on this issue. Mm. For us, again, because we're multi-site, we did it successfully, used the name Family Church successfully for several years before we changed the name at our downtown original First Baptist location. That gave us a lot of... um, a lot of opportunity for people to get used to the idea of being called something else. The, the other thing is, if you really don't believe from your heart that this is going to be a vital step in reaching more people for Christ, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it to be more trendy. I wouldn't do it to be more sexy or have more street appeal. I would only do it if you really think it's going to help you reach more people for Jesus. And we do believe that. And we've actually seen that that is true. Yeah, our church has actually been growing. And, you know, you make a good point about, uh, you know, why and why not to make it, you know, this decision. And, Jimmy, part of this is really about the process. I remember when we got ready to walk through this, it was almost like you had these little tests set up so that you could kind of walk our staff through this, small groups through this. And so it was really more of a process Talk to us a little bit about that process, because I think that that is actually really important to this conversation. Well, part of what we had to do is, you know, the way we do everything at Family Church is we we sell our staff on an idea first, because if we can't sell our staff on the idea, we're really probably not going to take it any further. Then we have other groups of leaders that we try to sit down with, and we call it spilling cracker barrel syrup. So we're going to go and try to have breakfast with people, have lunches with people, have informal meetings where we can discuss and try to persuade our influencers and our stakeholders that we're trying to influence about whatever change we're trying to make. So we did a lot of that kind of thing. So by the time we actually went to the church and said, hey, here's what we're going to do, most of the key influencers and stakeholders already were aware of it. And honestly, because we were multi-site and had been family church and First Baptist for several years, the vast majority of people by then were kind of like, oh yeah, why haven't we already changed this before? And in our case, you know, we we did something that's that's it's kind of funny, is we actually we didn't actually have a rollout. We didn't have a vote. We didn't have a name change contest. We had already launched as Family Church in all these different locations. And so what we did is at our downtown location uh, for six months, I started saying on purpose, "Hey, welcome to the to the First Baptist Church of West Palm Beach." We call ourselves the Family Church Downtown. Hmm. And so I do that in our welcome every single Sunday when I welcome people to the service. And then for six months, I said, welcome to the Family Church Downtown. You probably know us as the First Baptist Church of West Palm Beach. And then for the next six months, I just said, welcome to the Family Church Downtown and dropped First Baptist. Now, it was still on all of our print material, still on all of our signage. Well, we were undergoing a pretty massive campus renovation. And part of that campus renovation was new signage. And so as a part of the renovation, when the renovation was done, hey, look, all the signs now say 
family church, and now all of our print material, our our worship programs and so forth all say family church, our business cards all say family church. We never actually went out and said, hey, hey, you guys, we're changing our name. We just kind of, and, and the truth is our corporate name, like on our legal documents is still the First Baptist Church of West Palm Beach. And so that's my joke with people because I have had people challenge me, who do you think you are and who gave you the authority to change the name of our church? And I always just say, well, I didn't change the name of our church. We just change all the signs. Le- yeah. Yeah. Legally, we still <laughs> we just, are. Yeah, yeah, we just changed right. the signs and the logos. We didn't change the name. And so that kind of gives people something to something to join because the truth is in the future, what if things change and First Baptist Church somehow becomes a more appealing name? We still have that and we still can use it when when it helps us. Yeah. Jimmy, through the process, were there ever any times that you were, I don't know, nervous or anxious or fearful that you know things weren't moving along, that people weren't buying into the name change? No, I tell you the truth. At our church, I really felt like people really bought into it. And here's here's why. We we were very clear that we were not changing our identity. We weren't changing our beliefs. We weren't changing the way we practice baptism. We weren't changing the way we do church membership. We were not changing our affiliation in terms of our network with the Southern Baptist Convention. The only thing we were changing was the name. And and that really, I think, resonated with people and it helped people kind of agree to go along. Yeah. Well, back to the process, Jimmy, like, you know, when you started talking about the Abacoa and some of the churches that we started with, give us give us kind of a timeline, give us some context on how long this process took. All right. Well, in 2010, that's when we launched our first multi-site. So we launched Family Church at Abacoa in 2010. Of course, we had to have a name for that. We just came up with the name Family Church and went ahead and instituted that. And then uh, we launched Family Church West, and we launched Iglesia Familiar, Family Church in Spanish. We launched Family Church for Haitian Americans. We launched Family Church Recovery. And then in 2015, we finally did all of the renovations on our property, and that's when we changed the signs and changed the logos. And so now nobody calls it First Baptist anymore. Right. I mean, nobody calls it First Baptist. Nobody refers to it as First Baptist. Family Church is kind of established in our community, and our brand has been sort of sort of put out there. And I think people have, have understood that's who we are. Yeah. Well, Jimmy, there's a shepherding aspect to, you know, really anything that goes on in the life of a church. And, you know, obviously we want to be gentle leaders. We want to be kind leaders. And especially, you know, when you think about the context or you think about just the, the process of changing the name of the church, typically the people who are probably most against a name change are your senior adults, because, They've been here the longest, and one of the things you don't want to do, you, I mean, these are people who've paid with blood, sweat, and tears, finances. I mean, they've been all in for really decades. Talk to us a little bit about shepherding those people. Talk to us about how that process went and uh, how you got at our church so that those people felt good about this name change. Well, that's a great question, Steve, because we want to be a multi-generational church, and so we're going to have to um, we're we're going to have to make sure we respect and honor the contributions of every generation. And I think that one of the things that a lot of pastors do when they come to a church like ours as traditional, a lot of people don't have enough respect and regard for the contributions of the people who are already there before them. So a lot of us just because that's who we are as leaders and because we're selfish and self-centered and a little bit narcissistic, we show up and we basically think the history of the church started the day that we started. Mm. And I even see that with staff members. They think, well, that's actually when everything really started taking <laughs> off. And so nobody has any regard 
for the people who are praying and giving and serving and preaching and fasting. And you think about all the buildings on this campus. We're a legacy church, so we have people who've literally been members of this church 70 years, 80 years or more. And those people actually were a part of the building campaign that built the buildings that were built in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. And they may have given to four or five building campaigns. And they have raised their children here. They've been married here. They've married their kids here. They've done their husband's funeral here. And then you come in and just say, boom, we're going to change everything. And we're right. going to act like everything that's happened before was basically worthless and ought to be put under glass in a museum, if that. Right. And this is now the future. That is a horrible error on the part of leadership. So even in the process of a name change, what we want to do is do nothing but honor, nothing but honor the name of the First Baptist Church, the people who planted the First Baptist Church in 1901, the people who built the First Baptist Church with their blood and their sweat and their tears and their prayers and their work and their money. And we want to make sure that Family Church actually advances the legacy that those people established. I think having that attitude and that approach would do a lot of pastors a lot of good when they consider the name change. Because again, a lot of pastors do the name change and they act as if everything that happened before that was somehow not good. And I think that's a terrible mistake. Jimmy, you know, you think about pastors and they're out there preparing for sermons. They're working, I mean, really hard. And, you know, so a lot of times what we would like when we think about processes like this or decisions like this, we we would like to think that there's like a script that, you know, maybe there's like these 10 things and then it's going to be smooth sailing. And so I was wondering now, as you look back in the rearview mirror and you think about this process, what were some things that we learned or maybe what were some of the mistakes that we made? Well, honestly, the thing that I learned is that if you, the the multi-site makes the name change a lot easier. So I've consulted with several churches who are changing the name. A lot of churches called First Baptist call us. They want to change their name from First Baptist. How did you do it? And there's no one size fits all. I mean, some people do big rollouts and big contests and big Mm -hmm. conversations and votes and all that kind of stuff. We were in a position where we had to do that. I, I I will say this. Every pastor better be well aware of your church's individual polity. You better understand your constitution and bylaws, who actually has authority to do what, what is the process for doing certain things. Uh, Every pastor ought to be aware of the power structure of their church, not just the official power structure, but the influencers and the stakeholders who actually move church opinion at large. And pastors ought to really carefully weigh how much change they have in their pocket what it's really going to cost them to make a change like this, because I've seen pastors actually severely injure themselves mm-hmm. trying to make this change, and I don't think it turned out to be worth it. I will say this. I've, I've had great admiration for a few pastors, and I, I'm not going to name names, but several guys have called me that are in their 50s and 60s, and they say, hey, look, I've probably in my last five years or last 10 years as pastor of this church, I've been here for decades, and... I really feel like the gift I need to give my successor hmm. is to change the name because I can change the name, I can take the hits, and I can survive it. Right. The new guy coming in five years from now or 10 years from now, having that on his plate is going to be crippling to him. And I so admire that. And I would just say that to legacy pastors and legacy churches. If you've got the ability to, if you know that this change need to be needs to be made, you've got the horsepower to make it. I would so encourage established pastors to go ahead and take the hit 
so that your successor won't have to do it. And I think that's the best gift that a lot of established pastors and veteran pastors could give to the future of their of their church. Well, Jimmy, you've got obviously that's one end of the spectrum, right? And so that that would be a wise time. And then the other guys that may just be going into a church, you know, maybe they're looking for the silver bullet. And I wonder if you have any thoughts on that, because I mean, here's a new guy; he's just coming in. This this might not be the wisest decision for him to make in his first, you know, whatever. Well, you know, sometimes the young guys are are really attracted to trends. And so you see how new names for churches kind of cycle. So 10 years ago, everybody had the name New and the name Life in their church. It was New This and what, Life what are, That. Yeah, what are the names now? Yeah. Well, now, you know, every church got the word City or the word Redemption, in it, all of them, or maybe both, you know, yeah. Redemption City or City Redemption <laughs> or City This and Redemption That. And what people need to understand is these names cycle in and cycle out. So the name that's cool in 2017 won't be as cool in 2027 or 2037 or 2047. But what really is always going to be powerful is the gospel of Jesus. We need to keep that up, that at the forefront. And if our name is a barrier to getting the gospel of Jesus to people in our community who need it, then we need to tear down that barrier. The gospel is offensive enough. The gospel is difficult enough. Let's not make our name a barrier. If we have to change the name, remove the name, let's do it. And let's keep the gospel at the front. And let's let the offense of the gospel be the only offense that people have to overcome to come to Christ. Yeah. Jimmy, talk to us about metrics. I mean, you know, a lot of guys may be thinking about name change and it's important. Maybe we should do this. And I don't know if it would be worth it. What were some things that were out there on, on just in a way of metrics that you thought, you know what? If we did this and we grew by this percentage, or if they, if these things were happening, what, what are some of those metrics that you might want to look at? Well, we always want to measure, uh, are we baptizing more people? Are we having more first-time guests register with us? We have a First Connection class. Our First Connection class is our membership class, and that's kind of our, our funnel. We're trying to funnel everybody into that class. So if we can get more people in there, more people baptized, more gospel conversations, more people in small groups, more giving— all the same metrics you'd measure anytime. But I will say this, I know that this works because we have so many people attend our first connection class and in conversations with them, they even would say, wow, I didn't realize yeah. you guys are a Baptist Happens church. every week. Wow. I didn't know that you guys used to be called first Baptist. I would have never come here if I thought you were a Baptist church, but now that I'm here, I love it. So we actually hear that from people all the time. And it's not just anecdotal. We hear it enough that we know that's a real thing. So just measuring positive conversations and positive feel. And I can tell you just so many people I've met in our community that are unchurched, irreligious, or marginally churched or de-churched, they say to me, I really like that you're called family church. That really appeals to me. If you were called First Baptist, I would never, I would never bring my family there. Yeah, we have that conversation a lot. Well, Jimmy, a lot of our listeners may not know about a resource website that we have called Family Church Network. And your desire really, you know, the idea that we would be a resource to other churches and other pastors and kind of have an open source. Talk to us a little bit about that website and why it's important and some of the things that we offer on that website. I'm so excited about Family Church Network site because we want to offer Church for the Rest of Us resources to all the churches that need it. These are resources and ideas that every church of every size could actually use right now. And we're giving them away for free or really close to free. And we're not making any money at this. I'm not making royalties. You're not making royalties. We're just putting this out there because we want to bless churches that are like us. 
And so we have resources like discipleship resources, things like the seven commands of Christ, the seven stories of hope. We have things that parents can use with kids. We have all kinds of things available, plus our blog post, our our podcast, and all of that. And what we want to encourage churches to do is take these resources for the rest of us that they hear about on the Church for the Rest of Us podcast and take them and use them, put their own logos on them. They're open source documents. Change them. If you can improve it, do it. And we want to make these available to churches because we think this will be a, a blessing and be an encouragement and be a help. Well, familychurchnetwork.com is a website that has a lot of resources there for churches and pastors, and we hope that you'll take advantage of that. This has been a great conversation today, and Jimmy, you've given us a lot of food for thought. Next week, we're going to be talking about the 1% rule for reaching your community. And in that podcast, we're going to be talking about what it actually takes to move the needle of lostness in your community, 1%. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or Check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins, and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.